Thank you so much for inviting me. It's always a blessing to be able to teach something because then you get to learn about it. <laughs> um, and Kelly asked me to share two things. She asked me to share a little bit about what God expects from all of us regarding service and ministry and a little testimony about how I've learned to serve and use the gift that God's given me. And that means we're going to see a little truth about service and a little testimony about service. A little truth about service and a little testimony about service. And um, I've been praying that this would be helpful, and I've tried to answer some questions that Kelly told me that you all had. So try to include those questions, uh, or the answers, hopefully, to those questions, and not just questions, right? <laughs> so first, let's talk a little bit about truth about service, or what the Bible says about service, okay? And Jesus said in John fifteen seventeen, John fifteen seventeen, this I command you, that you love one another. John fifteen seventeen, and how do we love each other? Galatians five thirteen. Galatians 5.13 says, through love, serve one another. Through love, serve one another. So we love each other by serving each other. So in other words, service or ministry is a form of love. Service or ministry is a form of love. And we can't love other people. This is important. We cannot love other people without serving them. You know, you can serve without love. But you can't love without serving. 1 Corinthians 13 teaches us that love is defined, right, by actions. Those are verbs there, right, in 1 Corinthians 13. Not by our feelings, not just because we feel like we love someone, do we love them. So at the end of the day, the reason we serve, the reason we do any ministry at all, the reason we use our gift is because Romans 5.5, the love of God, Romans 5.5, has been poured out within our hearts. You can be pretty bad at cooking. You could be like not very good at organizing events. You might not be on time to everything, but people know when you love them, right? People will notice if you're sincerely trying to be helpful, even if you're not very good at it, or if you're just trying to check off a box on your spiritual to-do list. So I don't really think there's anything very mysterious about this topic, about serving in the church, about ministry, about using your spiritual gift. It's really just an attempt to love other people. It's really just an attempt to obey Jesus' command to love one another. So to define service or ministry. Service or ministry is obedience to God's commands. Service or ministry is just obedience to God's commands, which shows us that we love God, right? Because Jesus said, if you love him, you'll obey him. So service is not good works that gets us into heaven. Service and ministry giftedness is just obedience to God because we love him so much because we're so thankful to him for having saved us. And that means that serving is not limited to teaching the Bible or teaching or singing in the choir, right? That might be the way the Lord uses you, but service ministry is so much more than that. So what's helped me to understand and to serve are three truths about service that help us to minister. Three truths about service that help us to minister. And these are truths that have sustained me to continue serving, even when it's hard. Because, you know, like the idea of serving means it's probably not going to be easy, right? You know, when you're first saved, it's so exciting to be at church, to serve others. Everything, as we would say in Spanish, everything's color de rosa, you know, <laughs> everything's pichiquín. But as the years pass and people sin against you, because that's what sinners do, even when they're saved, they sin. That's like our specialty. We have to keep on, right? We're good at that. We have to keep on loving others. We have to keep on serving. We have to keep on ministering. So I hope that these three truths about service can help you all, like they help, like they help me to serve no matter what. 
So the first truth about service that helps us to minister to serve is that we are all priests. We are all priests, which means that service or ministry is an honor. It's an honor. To be a priest in the Old Testament was a high and rare position. Not all of the Israelites would be priests, just the tribe of Levi. And even within that tribe, only the sons of Aaron actually served as priests. In Numbers 18, 6 through 7, to prove that we were in the Pentateuch last year. <laughs> in Numbers 18, 6 through 7, God says to Aaron, Behold, I myself have taken your brothers, the Levites, from among the sons of Israel, Numbers 18. They are a gift to you, given to Yahweh to perform the service for the tent of meeting. And then at the end of verse 7, I am giving you the priesthood as a bestowed service. And we hear those words, gift, given, giving. Service is a gift from God. And that's encouraged me so much. Service ministry is not a burden. It's a gift. It's a privilege. It is a privilege to serve the living God. And I have to remind myself of that when I get tired of serving, you know, in my responsibilities or with my gift. You know, when people don't appreciate my service, or criticize me, or like they probably should, they correct me. <laughs> no, I have to be reminded it's okay because it was a privilege. It was just a privilege. It was just an honor to serve God. And he saw, he knows, he knows your heart. He knows why you're doing what you're doing. Sometimes that's actually not that great while you're doing what you're doing, but he knows. And what matters is his approval. And it was a privilege and as members of the new covenant, Peter says, he tells all Christians in 1 Peter 2, 5, 1 Peter 2, 5, that we are being built up as a spiritual house for a holy priesthood to offer up spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. And you can hear a whole sermon by John MacArthur just in that verse, right? That's a big verse. <laughs> but all Christians are priests. All Christians are priests. And you know, when we were living in Mexico, every once in a while, you literally would run across a Catholic priest or nun or monk, you know, in like this weird place like Costco. <laughs> and you would make you kind of pause, right? You would, you would like mentally compare yourself to them. And you don't kind of feel so holy when you see their special clothes and all that. You feel kind of average, right? But that's not true. That's not true. The New Testament teaches us that true spiritual service is not just reserved for priests or nuns, first of all, because they're not even saved, but, right? True spiritual service is for all Christians because all Christians are priests. According to Romans 12, Romans 12, if we are saved, if we have repented of our sin and asked God to treat us as if we live the perfect life of Jesus, once that's happened, then all of us are completely and totally dedicated in a special way to serve God as priests, like a priest. But instead of offering animal sacrifices or grain offerings like the old covenant priests, we offer everyday sacrifices as new covenant priests. We're offering different kinds of sacrifices. And years ago, when I needed to like focus my mind on these things with very little children, I copied, very small children is what I mean, I copied down the list that our pastor composed about how we serve as priests, as Christians. You can find it in the MacArthur Study Bible Notes on 1 Peter 2.5. 1 Peter 2.5, and he said, these are the offerings that we are giving as, as priests, and it helped me very much. We offer our, and he has um, references for each of these, okay? We offer our person. We offer thanks. We offer obedience. We offer our resources. We offer souls to Christ. We offer our personal desires for the good of others. And we offer prayer. Person, thanks, obedience, resources, souls, desire, prayer. And he has references, like I said, for each of those. So you can look that up. That is our priesthood. That's our service, our ministry, our privilege. So that's where we start. The first truth about ministry that helps us to serve is that we're all priests. And the second truth about ministry that helps us to serve is that we are all servants. 
That's why we're learning about service, right? We are all servants. And Jesus said in John 12, 26, John 12, 26, if someone serves me, follow me. And where I am, there also will be my servant or my deacon in the Greek, that word deacon. And this word in Greek for servant is where we get the concept of the deacons and the deaconesses of the church in 1 Timothy 3. But here in John 12, we learn that God assumes that all Christians will be deacons or servants of Christ, not just a particular group of Christians. So this is like not even a command. You know, it's just a statement of fact, a truth that Jesus was stating. When we become Christians, we become servants. Okay, we become deaconesses or ministers. There are not some Christians who serve and some Christians who don't. We're all servants of God. And according to scripture, we need to get used to it because we're going to be serving God for all eternity. You know, Revelation 5, Revelation 8, Revolution, Revelation 22, we will be serving God for the rest of eternity, but we won't be sinful like now and it won't bother us. Okay. So whether or not you feel like serving or think you're good at serving, whether or not you want a ministry, you are a servant. Whether or not you feel called to missions, you are a missionary. You are a minister. You have the ministry of serving Jesus Christ, our Savior and Lord. And you do that, again, by obeying him. And that's what servants do. We obey. We've not been saved, in other words, to be comfortable, to have a big house, or a car, or health and wealth, we've been saved to serve, to love others, to treat others as more important than ourselves. And Jesus himself, that's the way he lived, right? He modeled that for us. He said in Matthew 20, 28, Matthew 20, 28, the son of man did not come to be served, but to do what? To serve and to give his life a ransom for many. So service or ministry is imitation of our Savior. And like we saw in the verses, service isn't optional. It's not like a good idea. It's not a suggestion. It's a command. It's a statement of fact. We're all commanded to love one another, and we love one another by serving one another like Jesus did. So those two truths about service have helped me. And a third truth about service we, are, we see that we're priests, we're servants. And the third truth about service that helps us to minister is that we are all slaves. We are all slaves. We're all servants, but more than that, we're slaves. And I've been so impacted by what our pastor has taught on this subject of slavery to God. If you haven't heard it, if you haven't read it, you need to. You need to do it yesterday. Okay? Paul says in Romans 6.22, Romans 6.22, such good news. You have been freed from sin and made slaves of God. That's what it says. And before sin was our master, but now God is our master. And he's wise. He's loving. He's a good master, but he's still our master. Hmm? And how is being a slave different than, say, being a servant? Well, if you think about it, slaves don't choose their work, right? Slaves don't choose. Servants can get a job. They can change jobs. They can have more than one job, but slaves are given a job. We don't get to choose our service, our ministry, our responsibilities. This is what our pastor was emphasizing so much when he taught us. Slaves just do what they're told, right? And I studied home economics at, at the college, at the university, master's. And one of my home economics professors, to encourage you all, she is a single woman, by the way, teaching us home economics, she was. And one of, one of the things that she used to say, Dr. Ennis, she's actually one of the authors of the book that Judy mentioned to us. Um, she would mention to us, she would tell us, the Christian life, she would say, ladies, the Christian life, is not a buffet. The Christian life is not a buffet, okay? We don't choose our responsibilities like we choose food at a buffet. Hmm? God tells us our responsibilities in his word, and he commands us to fulfill them. So within this truth, this third truth, right, 
that we're all slaves, we learn two other truths, okay? <laughs> and the first one would be, in first place, our master has assigned us responsibilities. The master has given us, assigned us responsibilities. So as God's slaves, he gives us our station in life. He chooses our circumstances. He chooses our gender, which, by the way, doesn't change. He chooses our marital status, our maternity, or lack of it, if we can have children or not. He decides if we'll be widows one day or not. And each of those stages and circumstances in our lives come along with these responsibilities that have been chosen by our master, right? If you're a daughter, you're commanded by your master to obey and honor your parents. That's your ministry, okay? If you're a student, you're commanded to obey your authorities. That's your ministry. If you're a single working woman, you're commanded to obey your boss. That's your ministry, And I have the verses for that if you need it. (laughs) If God allows you to be married, you're commanded to be a suitable helper, to submit to your husband, to love him and care for your home. You heard that that was more than what you heard for the working women, right? (laughs) There's a lot more there for the wife, okay? If you're married, you're going to be a suitable helper, submit to your husband, love him, care for your home. That's your ministry. If God allows you to be a mother, he commands you to love your children. That's your ministry. And if you're an older, more mature woman in the church and you've finished child rearing, then God commands you to teach younger women, like Judy was telling us, to to love their husbands, to love their children, to work at home. That's your ministry. And if you become a widow, you're commanded to pray, to serve the church, to be an example. That's your ministry. God has these assignments, right? Like homework assignments for each of us. We have to understand that obedience to God's commands in everyday life is ministry. That's where ministry starts. Obedience is service. And honestly, that's where we spend most of our lives, right? Not most of the time are we at church. Most of the time, we're just in these regular, repetitive, sometimes even boring, everyday responsibilities. But God uses those responsibilities to evangelize and to edify others. And that is part of ministry. We're loving and serving others. In fact, 1 Timothy and Titus show us that faithfulness in our responsibilities is like this prerequisite to be able to serve in the church. It's a platform for everything else we're going to do. That's where you start. And another one of my home economics professors, Dr. Lisa Tatlock, she's married to Mark Tatlock, who's one of our pastors here. She taught us this, and I'll give you a long quote. Okay? Ministry is serving others through the use of your time, energy, resources, natural abilities, and spiritual gifts for the purposes of exhortation, edification, encouragement, and spiritual maturity. She got it all covered there, right? And based on all that scripture teaches, she says that the ultimate goal of ministry is to encourage repentance leading to salvation for the unbeliever or continued sanctification and spiritual maturity for the believer. And I thought that was so helpful that the goal of serving and ministry is not just to help people physically or materially, but to encourage them to be saved. And to be sanctified, which means that service can be done in so many ways. And so many years ago, when my kids were little, when my children were very small, and they were all very small at the very same time, and my ministry was mostly wiping runny noses. You got to see them at that stage. (laughs) Wiping runny noses and changing diapers. I was so helped by this quote that I uh, read by Amy Carmichael. You know, she was the famous missionary to the women and children of India. And Amy Carmichael is quoted as saying, If by doing some work which the undiscerning consider not spiritual work, I can best help others, and I inwardly rebel, thinking it is the spiritual for which I crave, when in truth it is the interesting and exciting then I know nothing of Calvary love. 
right? Jesus didn't come to do something interesting and exciting. His service, his ministry was helpful. All of his life was spent by being obedient to God day by day, moment by moment, and that is what has been credited to our account. Not just his death in our place, but his everyday obedient life in our place. So Jesus' service, his ministry was obedience to God's commands, just like ours needs to be. Just like him, our faithfulness, our obedience in everyday life is our service, our ministry. So like I said, being slaves is divided in two parts, right? First, our responsibilities. And secondly, we have gifts. Our master has assigned us gifts. So he's assigned us responsibilities and he's assigned us gifts. From the moment of our salvation, God gives each of us a spiritual gift to serve with. And just like with our responsibilities, with our spiritual gifts, we don't get to choose them, right? We're just slaves. Slaves don't choose their jobs, okay? And our pastor said the following in a sermon on 1 Peter 4. 1 Peter 4, he said, A spiritual gift is a God-given capacity through which the Holy Spirit supernaturally uses you to minister to the body. A God-given capacity through which the Holy Spirit supernaturally uses you to minister. And the gifts can be divided into two types, okay? There are the serving gifts and the speaking gifts. 1 Peter 4.10 First Peter 4.10 says, as each one has received a gift, employ it. That's like work, right? Employ. Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever speaks as one speaking the oracles of God, First Peter 4.10, whoever serves as one serving with this, by the strength which God supplies. And you can find more details about these gifts in the MacArthur Study Bible. Okay, that's all you need in your life is the MacArthur Study Bible. <laughs> the MacArthur Study Bible notes on Romans 12 and 1 Corinthians 12. So helpful. And I would also encourage you to listen to all the sermons that you can by our pastor on spiritual gifts and how he talks about all those categories and everything. But to sum it up, we find out what our gift is as we seek to be useful to others as we seek to love other Christians, which answers one of your questions about how to identify your spiritual gifts. Love other people and you will find out what your spiritual gift is. Other people will tell you. They'll tell you that's not your spiritual gift. (laughs) And then they'll tell you what is. Okay, so our giftedness reminds me of having people over in Mexico City. When someone would come to our home for a meal, They would be so sweet. They would normally bring like this little gift, okay? A little gift, some sort of food like chocolates or a little cake or a small dessert. And my husband taught me, because good American that I am, thank you. And I put it in my fridge, right? No, 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 no. He said, no, 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 put it away, okay? He said that we're not to put the gift away to eat later. It was expected that we would include it in the meal, okay? Or the dessert, The gift wasn't meant to be enjoyed in private, but to be shared with everyone and enjoyed together. And that's what spiritual gifts are like, okay? God gives them to us to share with others, to serve others. God gives us a supernatural capacity that is meant to bless other people. So those three truths about service help us to minister. We're all priests, we're all servants, We're all slaves. And as slaves, our master has assigned us responsibilities and gifts. Like we said at the beginning, then service is just obedience. It's just obedience. It shows how much we love God. We serve when we obey God's command to fulfill our responsibilities. And we serve when we obey God's command to practice our spiritual gift. So now we get into a little testimony about service. And this is where it gets crazy. No, (laughs) testimony about serving, right? So first, I can testify that service ministry doesn't depend on our strengths or our abilities. I do not consider myself 
missionary material. Okay? I would see the other pictures of all the missionaries on the wall and go, I think Mexico City should not be there. (laughs) We were too spoiled. No, but it just, I don't see myself as like the person who would have gone to Africa. Um, But the Lord gives you the strength that you need. Hebrews 11.34, Hebrews 11.34, we were memorizing that, says that those who had faith in God were made strong from weakness. Made strong from weakness. If any of us are able to serve, it is only because God gives us his strength. So first, God started teaching me how to serve in such a simple way, how to do ministry from my parents. My parents. My dad was never a pastor, but without neglecting work or family, he was always loving. My mom and dad were always just loving and serving other Christians. It was just a normal part of everyday life. And since my parents were serving with their spiritual gift, well, I ended up like helping out, right? That's what the church kids do. We help out, right? I'd help out in the nursery. I'd help out in the choir. I'd help out in the Sunday school. Mostly I helped out eating the Sunday school cookies. (laughs) But trust me, I wasn't serving with a spiritual gift because I didn't have a spiritual gift because I wasn't saved, okay? I was just helping out. So people can be helping out in the church without being a real Christian, right? Don't let a guy who's helping out, make sure he's actually saved before you go and marry him, okay? So secondly, in order to truly serve the church, this would be part of that, you must be a Christian. And I'm so glad that Judy talked to us about the gospel. Again, we need to be saved You must understand that you're a sinner, that you deserve God's wrath, and that you need God's forgiveness. In order to serve the church, you must repent of your sin and ask God to treat you as if you had lived that perfect life of Jesus in your place. Salvation is the starting point of service. Serving in the church, again, doesn't save us. It doesn't get us like brownie points with God. Only the perfect life of Jesus, the perfect service of Jesus himself in our place is what saves. Service, ministry, giftedness is the result of salvation. It's not the cause of salvation. So sometime, I don't know when, around the end of high school, God caused me to truly repent of my sin and to truly trust in Jesus for my salvation And like Judy said, the Spirit gives us His power, and that's when the love of God is poured out in our hearts, right? When we're saved, that's when we begin to truly love people in the church, and that's what leads us to serve them. And since my parents met here at Grace, for me, there was no option but the Master's College. I didn't even apply anywhere else. That's what it was called back then, the Master's College. And and there, I met my husband, Luis, who's a Mexican from Mexico City. So we've been married 22 years, and throughout our marriage, being married to him and the things that he does, I really felt the need to understand this topic, right, of service and ministry. I thought this could be helpful to me to know. Did my husband's jobs as a pastor and a missionary, did those things determine how I would serve, right? Did, Did I have to be, you know, the church pianist and sing in the choir or lead the women's ministry? because of his jobs? Did I have to be called to ministry to be a missionary's wife? I heard women say, people said that. You have to be called to be, to, in, to be in ministry if you're married to a missionary. What did God really expect of me? And we already touched on this a bit, and you all asked, how can we know what our spiritual gift is, and how can we cultivate a heart or a mindset to serve one another? And practically speaking, I can testify that we learn what our gift is, like I said, by just trying to be helpful, by trying to love others. And since we had three children in four years, I can testify (laughs) that we can develop our giftedness over time, okay? We might be focused more on that responsibility part at certain points, okay? And I don't think you should be afraid that if you start serving in one place, And a year later, you're like, whoa, I probably shouldn't have done this. Don't be like, okay, I'm going to die serving in this place, necessarily, okay? That could be good. That could be wonderful if you're serving in one place your whole life. You never know, but you might not. 
We've got to remember that Paul told us, right? In Galatians 5.13, through love, serve one another. We discover this spiritual gift. We cultivate a heart to seek to serve as we love others, okay? The reality is this. If you love others, you'll serve. It's inevitable. If you love, you'll serve. And beyond that, we cultivate a heart, a mindset to serve one another as we place ourselves ourselves under teaching that exhorts us, that corrects us, that's motivating us to love others, right? Our pastor always says, strong teaching produces soft hearts, right? And the people you're closest to, this is something else I can testify about, the people that you're closest to will greatly affect your knowing and using your spiritual gift and your ability to cultivate a heart to serve. As Luis's wife, I've learned that the people closest to you, your best friend or your husband, if you get married, or your sister or your mom, these people that you spend all your time with, they will greatly influence, they will even determine the way you serve, how much you serve and where you serve. So choose your friends carefully. Hmm? Choose that husband carefully because he will determine where you're going to serve. And a godly guy should be looking for a girl who's already serving, right? So just a side thought there for all you ladies. That's the kind of wife he's going to need. A man who wants to serve God is going to want a woman who knows how to get her hands dirty, right? So often when I'm tired and need a little encouragement to keep serving, Luis encourages me. And sometimes when he's tired and says, oh, I'm tired. No, there was a joke, but I probably shouldn't say it. So when he's tired, I can encourage him. Go to church. You need to preach this morning. You probably should be there, right? (laughs) So as a warning, ladies, if you want to serve, make sure that any guy who's interested in you is living for God, right? Does he love and serve the church himself? Does he understand his responsibilities, like we talked about, responsibilities as a man? And you you know, there can be like these two extremes. Does he live for work and money or the other extreme? Does he live for the adrenaline rush of ministry while neglecting his responsibilities? Because there can be those two extremes. Instead, you he must be faithful to his God-given responsibilities while serving the church. And that's not an easy person to find, right? Who you're closest to will influence your service. And since the person I'm closest to is involved in ministering Spanish, a way that I could serve was just praying by others for others because I couldn't talk very well in Spanish when we first got married, okay? And so we could pray for everyone. Even if you didn't understand everything they were saying to you, you could pray for them. And that's a way that we can serve in any stage of life, anywhere in the world. And maybe it's informal service, but it's still service. And that gets to another question that Kelly mentioned from you guys. Is there a difference between serving formally, like joining an official team at church or an official ministry, and serving informally, like bringing a meal to someone or sending notes to people who are at home or giving people a ride to church? And of course, I of course would say, well, no, all service is service, right? But... I would encourage you to be careful to listen to what our church leaders tell us. Really, there are needs in formal areas of service. We should be doing both kinds of service. So like nursery, like Sunday school, there are so many needs. And some people think that there are more needs in a small church, right? But I can testify as the church grew in Mexico, the needs grew as well. So if you're at a big church like Grace Community Church, trust me, there are a lot of needs, right? More people, more needs. It was much harder for me to coordinate 24 women for nursery ministry for two services than it was for just one service, okay? Like just, it just became exponentially more complicated when there was more people, more babies, more toys to clean, more work to do right? So we just encourage you to really consider 
Yeah, bring someone to church, write that note, but think too, what is our church telling us that I, that they need help, right? If they took the time and our pastors take the time to make an announcement, that was like weeks and months of desperation and prayer before they got up there and actually said something to you. Like they're desperate by the time they're telling you. So let's see how we can serve in both of those ways. So help out. It always, to me, it's rather discouraging, but it always kind of blows my mind how much women will sacrifice, how hard they'll work to make money or to get fit, and how they can't seem to find an hour in the week to just love the church by serving for one hour every week, right? Which reminds us that service requires faith. Service requires faith, okay? We're doing something that we can't see the result of it yet, okay? It's easy to see the result of the money you're making or your body or whatever you're doing in this world. But God has eternal rewards. And if you truly believe his word, then then your service is showing or should be showing a level of true faith in God investing in what you cannot see. And that is what Moses did when you read Hebrews 11. What we can't see, that's what we're showing when we serve, okay? So another one of your questions, um, just in case that's not you and you're one of those people in this tiny percentage of people who overserve, <laughs> okay? We have another question. Okay, how do we balance serving the church with other personal commitments like family, friends, work, and school? And to just be honest with you, well, of course, I hope I was being honest the whole time, but just to be transparent, Luis and I are like really careful, really like analytical about how much time we give to serving because we've seen the damage that like over-serving I guess you could call it that neglecting your priorities, neglecting your responsibilities from scripture, we can see what that can be, the damage that that can do at someone's job or in someone's family. And I think, honestly, it's actually quite scary to see what can happen. So I've really tried to serve without neglecting Luis, the children, or our home. And now back here are relatives, which is like a whole new experience. Oh, that's right. We have birthdays and Christmas, and we used to just do that by ourselves, right? So that's like a whole new thing. And if I've been, if I had been single, I would have had to serve without neglecting my job and relatives there too. So when the children were little, Louise would watch them during women's events so I could do little things like decorating bathrooms, ironing tablecloths, serving food for women's events. Um, Sometimes I couldn't eat all of it because it was all spicy. <laughs> or cleaning. And when they were older, they could help. They could help clean too. And I've always tried, I've tried to be hospitable, but I'm like the type of person who needs a list because I'm always forgetting something super important like toilet paper. <laughs> so if you come to our home and there's no toilet paper, just let me know. <laughs> but we want to serve and we try to be helpful, Right. And Luis always tried to make it easy for me to open our home because he was serving with things like premarital and marriage counseling. And again, there was no church office. So Luis needed me to be with him if a woman needed counseling. So his work often affects my responsibilities at home. So he's tried to make that easier for me in different ways. And I think that's really key to not getting to this place where you're like, I'm never going to continue doing this because he's been very gracious with understanding for me. So yes, you can balance service with personal commitments. I could clean or cook or do laundry while taking phone calls from women and talking. We would talk on the phone. Mexico City takes forever to get to somebody's house. So we made a lot of phone calls, right? And you could talk while you're doing these other things. And talk about how we apply scripture in our lives. I guess technically that's called biblical counseling, right? (laughs) And I could include the children in events like bridal showers and baby showers and birthday parties because Mexicans love a good party. And long meals 
and big celebrations. And my kids now love having people over and big celebrations and long meals because they're just so used to it, right? And while we're on the topic of balancing personal commitments with ministry, I would just say that if God has not given you the gift of signalness, if you want to be married, I would encourage you to listen to these Q&As with Patricia MacArthur on the um, Grace Church website. And she said so wisely that a, that a wife's primary ministry or, or service will be to her husband and her children. Pretty much what I've tried to do all our marriage is just to be a suitable helper to my husband. So all of these different things end up normally just trying to help him. So let's see. If you're single or you're a student or you're working, the first way you serve Grace Community Church is by obeying your boss or your professors or your parents unless they ask you to sin by working hard and by having an excellent testimony on the job in the classroom, in your home. The Lord will use that to evangelize the people around you, and that is ministry. So beyond the home, I can testify that service should fulfill biblical needs, okay? And being able to hear God's word proclaimed, that's a biblical need. And so like when we got to Mexico, there was no nursery ministry, okay? So between trying to organize a nursery ministry and the fact that my husband was like busy preaching, so he couldn't watch the kids if they got sick, pretty much for the first six years that we were in Mexico City, I wasn't able to sit through hardly any church services or attend the adult Bible Sunday school or even sit through a whole Bible study. In fact, the whole time we were in Mexico, there was no child care provided for church events or seminary conferences, or even the yearly women's events, okay? So all the time we were there, I was always trying to help organize the nursery or help take care of babies or children during Bible study because I believe it's such an important service that women can hear Scripture taught. So when you're thinking about how to serve, I think it's important to see what's a real biblical need that people have. And someone asked, is it ever legitimate to say no to a serving opportunity? And I would say, of course, of course, it's legitimate to say no. We all have different capacities. We have different giftedness. We each need enough time to fulfill those responsibilities. That's God's given to us because that is our service. And I remember right when we were getting to know each other, Luis asked me one time, he says, so what would you like to do with your life, right? And I was all, I'd like to be a wife. And then I was like, oh, and I would love to study the Bible and teach women. No, because I was at the master's college. And he said, and I'll never forget, well, if you're, this is my husband, he's very serious. Well, if you're a wife and a mother, you probably won't have much time to study and teach the Bible. And you know, he was right. (laughs) He was so right. Like we said earlier, we have to recognize that there are life responsibilities and there is giftedness, so it's okay to say no to certain things at certain times. And then somebody asked, is it ever legitimate to take a break from serving? And well, we don't ever really stop serving. We're always commanded to love others and serve them, but maybe you need to take a break from a certain kind of service because you need to have enough time to be that good testimony at work or at home, and serve your family. And in that sense, you're not actually taking a break from serving, but serving where God commands. And even if you're sick, God can use your testimony to lead others to Christ and that service. But we need to check our hearts. We need to get good, godly advice. Make sure we're not taking like a break for selfish reasons. God doesn't command you to have me time or to spend all your waking hours at the gym unless you're a swim coach right? So we need to make sure if we're in the midst of serving in some way and we realize that we're neglecting those responsibilities God's given us, it's okay to step back and just admit, you know, this is too much, but we never stop serving. You see the difference? Hey, we can keep praying. We can keep listening to people's needs. Sometimes we're just refining what we're supposed to be doing. And then someone asked if you're ever in the danger of what the world calls burnout. 
So and if that means getting to a place where we literally don't want to serve the church anymore, then we're just not thinking biblically about our responsibilities and service. Or maybe we're doing too much. Or maybe like our pastor says, we have unrealistic expectations. Maybe people aren't patting you on the back and you're getting discouraged because you expected something that's not realistic. Okay? And I can totally understand the temptation to just want to give up on serving. It can hurt. People sin. Life is hard. Service is tiring. Even Paul said in 2 Corinthians 1 that great affliction came to him so that he despaired even to live. That was the Apostle Paul who said that. So we have to, again, be asking God, help me. Help me. I can't do this on my own. I need your help. And God says, 1 Corinthians 10, 13, he's faithful. He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you are able. And so he'll give us his supernatural help to keep on fulfilling those responsibilities, to keep on serving. And instead of saying we're burnt out, we can say with Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, I will most gladly spend and be fully spent for your souls. And I can testify that God has been merciful to me in spite of my mistakes, in spite of my sin while serving. You know, when you're under pressure, you're serving, you're in the kitchen, you're making the food, you're doing whatever, and you're trying to help out, you know, what's inside comes out. And sometimes it's not pretty. You know, I thought I was such a patient person until I had to drive in Mexico City. <laughs> I was thought I was such a sweet woman until I had babies, right? But God has been so merciful. In spite of my sins and my failures, and you will sin and you will fail, if you're trying to minister and serve, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And you know, God used the Christians in Mexico to teach me about serving because service is about loving people, right? It's not about programs. Service is about people. And Mexican Christians would literally drop everything if I had an emergency and my husband would be gone sometimes. And I would always seem to have emergencies when he was gone, (laughs) No, And he'd be like in a different country gone. I mean, not, it was for weeks. (laughs) And Mexican Christians would sacrifice for me. They would get me out of my troubles that I would get myself in. And they would give to us in spite of their own needs, which were almost always greater than mine. They would give us food. They're very good at giving us food. They would give us gifts, and they would just listen even to my bad Spanish. And listening is a way we can serve other people. You don't have to have much to serve. You just have to love. You just need God's love to serve. So again, summing it up, service is obedience to God's commands. One time, we were told that a young man decided to come to our church because he saw my husband serve me a glass of water at a meal. Um, And you know, this young man, he'd heard the gospel. He had heard preaching. He'd been to church a few times, but he'd never seen a Christian husband love his wife. And that's, at the time, I didn't, you know, you don't even know what people are thinking. And that simple act of service, that ministry that Louise gave to me, was what God used to convince him to come to church. No? And it can be something that simple that you do at work or at school or at home that God can use to bring someone to himself. And that is real ministry right? It doesn't have to be something fancy. So there you've got a little biblical truth about service and a little testimony about service. But in conclusion, we have to cultivate the right attitude in our service, the right attitude. Because if we're honest, like we've said, service can hurt, can be difficult. And it's really helped me to learn in Luke 1, Luke 1 from Mary's attitude. When an angel tells her, essentially, that her ministry, her service, would be to become the mother of the Messiah. And that sounds great to us, right? But that was not great for Mary. 
probably her whole life, that was not a great assignment, right? She probably remembered that King David said, 2 Samuel 24, 24, I will not offer burnt offerings to Yahweh my God, which cost me nothing. And you know, ladies, true service, true ministry is costly. Hebrews eleven seventeen says that when Abraham was tested, he offered up his son, Isaac. He offered up what he most cared about. And Mary's service of motherhood would cost her everything. It would cost her her reputation. It almost cost her her marriage if God hadn't intervened. And it probably cost her most of her friendships, right? So anything I've had to sacrifice to serve, anything you're ever going to have to sacrifice to serve is probably nothing compared to what Mary or Abraham or Sarah or Joseph or the prophets or Paul had to serve, had to sacrifice. I marvel at her attitude and their response to God in all of those examples. Mary says so calmly, so humbly, so controlled by scripture, Luke 1.38, Luke 1.38, behold, she knows these truths that we know, the slave of the Lord, not the queen of heaven, but the slave of the Lord, she says, may it be done according to your word. She just submits to God's plan for her service, for her ministry, and that's the right attitude in service, humility, submission. Like Mary, like the saints who've gone before us, we must submit to God's plan for our service, for our ministry, for our giftedness. And we sang that in the song, My Life is Christ. I think that's the title in English, right? Hallelujah, my life is Christ. It says, use my life, Lord, as you wish. Translating it from Spanish into English. There. Um, and Jesus said, he said, not my will, but thine be done. That was what he said about his service. And that's the attitude we all need to have. So let's pray for that, because we need God's help. Lord God, thank you so much for this, this time that we've had together. Thank you for each of the women who are here. Thank you for all of those who've served us, Lord, who've been so kind and who have sacrificed to make it possible for us to spend time together. Thank you for your word and how you teach us through your example to serve and to love others. Thank you, Lord, for loving us and for giving up so much so that we could be part of your family. Help each of us, help each of these ladies, help each of us to know how we can fulfill our responsibilities and fulfill our service that you ask of us. Use us, Lord, for your glory, like you did with Mary and with all the saints in Scripture. Help us to have the attitude of humility, Lord, that we need in this task. Give us your strength to love others by serving them. Amen.